James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Wilson paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos's very own The Bird Rights Podcast. With me today, we have everyone's favorite guest, Corbin Ford from the Round Ball Rainbow Podcast. Um, Corbin, for you guys who don't know, just recently got on a WNBA gig, so we're super stoked for him. And as you guys know, Corbin was on our last episode when we were talking about the Lakers and the coaching carousel. So today we have a fun episode for you guys today. It's actually going to be a two-parter. What we're doing is we are ranking the, basically, for the next five years, which NBA teams are going to be most successful, who's the most well-off over the next five years, and then... um, yeah, so we rank them 1 to 30, and we're going to, you know, get into those. And it's a, it's a little spinoff of what ESPN did or does every year where they rank, they call them future rankings, where they rank where each NBA team is and, you know, where they all set up for the future. So the six factors I considered in here, their current roster as it is, their assets, so their draft picks, their young players, everything like that, their salary cap space, their front office and ownership, their coaching, and their market. So those are the six things I considered when putting these rankings together. So, Corbin, is there any team – I'm going to start with my number one, but is there any team, you know, that really blew anyone out of the water to you, or do you think it was, you know, pretty – Yeah, I yeah. feel it was pretty pretty competitive. First off, thanks for having me on. I'm really happy to be on the show. As always, I love this stuff, Ben, and appreciate being having an opportunity to be a guest on your show. Um, in terms of the future rankings, yeah, like it was easier for me to figure out the ones that were shaped up for worse success, and then kind of working my way backwards, I was like, okay, okay, like this team's good, but what about this young town? What about this young piece? What about this core that we haven't seen healthy? You know, and it kind of made it an interesting exercise. So I'm, I'm intrigued to kind of go back and forth with you here and try to figure this out together. But I am, um, I definitely found it interesting. Okay. So let's start with our number one. As I said, this is going to be a two-parter. So we're going to tr- start at one, get as far down as we can until we need to record a second time. So my number one, I have the Golden State Warriors, actually. Interesting. Um. I mean, I, I, I know in Vegas are the favorites to win it all. So even, you know, even if they win the championship this year, you still need to rank them relatively high because it's success over the next five years and they'd be one of five teams to win the championship. But even so, um, I, I know that Steph Curry's contract will be, I don't know. I want to say it will be hard to swallow because in 25, 26, he's getting paid $60 million. But That's true. I, I just see Jordan Poyne, you figure he's going to get a max rookie extension. Then they had Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. They have all their own picks. And then that doesn't even include how Draymond and Clay age. And we're not even putting in what happens with James Wiseman. I mean, I'm not a big James Wiseman guy. So I initially, when I went through this the first time, I had Golden State third because I was down on Wiseman. 
But even without him, Paul is just so good that, I don't know, they have all their own picks, which is rare for a competing team. And, I mean, they're in luxury tax hell, but the owner is willing to pay the tax and the repeat of tax, and that's a competitive advantage in sports. That is true. That is true. I mean, you make a good argument for them. I think that so far you see they're trying to do, they have an owner who's, obviously willing to spend the money. You have a core that has won championships in, in Clay, Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson, Curry, and Draymond Green. Um, and you see they got younger players as well. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, you know, Jordan Poole, uh, James Wiseman has only played 42 games since, since, you know, high school. So you have those. At the same time, I do worry about the future for this core because the mileage and their Cumulative age is pretty significant when you consider, you know, Draymond Green's 32 and has already shown minor signs of slippage. Um, Clay Thompson is going to be about the same age and has had two severe leg injuries. Steph Curry has had injuries in his past, mostly durable outside of the broken hand two years ago, but it's 34, you know, and has had some slumps as well. So I look at the core aging and I'm like, okay, collectively they still have that championship DNA, but I don't know if they can continue to put on their backs and, and do this otherworldly performance that we've seen them do between 2015, 2019. And while we have these guys that we're still worried about, can they make it or not? Can they still do this at a high level? You also have guys like Kaminga, like Poole, like Wiseman who are question marks. So I feel like they're kind of trying to balance between both. And this year they've done a fairly successful job of that. Um, but in the future, we'll have to see. And I don't know. Next year, how's the 35-year-old Curry look? How's the 33-year-old Draymond Green look? Is the Clay Thompson we're seeing off for a return from injury going to be what he is for, like, this is it? Or is he going to, you know, reacquire some burst? At the same time, how will they mesh with these younger bodies as well as they start to become the players they will, be, will end up being? So I like them. I didn't like them enough to have them number one. They're in my top ten. Um, but they, they're an interesting team. I do agree with you there. Yeah, and you mentioned the age. I mean, I'm just looking and if Clay falls off, they have Jordan Poole. Wiggins, next year's the last young his deal. If they let him walk, then they have Kaminga. That doesn't even count for Moody. Um, I don't know. I know Gary Payton second, so he's 29 years old, but they could re-sign him. They just have so many dudes from top to bottom that, sure, Steph Curry, he's not replaceable. But Jordan Poole is a certified, I, I think he's a stud. And, again, I, I don't know how Wiseman's going to develop. I wasn't big on Wiseman. I had Wiseman down to my big board in 2020. So, but, uh, but clearly, they're a very smart organization, good at developing talents, and good at player evaluation. And they saw something in Wiseman. They preferred him over the mellow ball. So, we'll have to see. We will. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how their drafting goes for sure. I, I like what you said. Again, and this is where the question mark comes in for me. These younger players have shown signs. Jordan Poole most uh, specifically, right? But Jordan Poole defensively has been just an utter turnstile, you know? We haven't seen Kaminga. Kaminga's had good moments of being a small ball five and showing a lot more athleticism than the Warriors had in a while, but we got to see more of a fully featured game. Moses Moody's had his moments, but we don't know. And then the same for, um, of course, Wiseman, but on a lesser extent because we've seen even less of him. So I agree, all these guys have talent, and it's all interesting, but we haven't seen enough of it ex- with the exception of Poole, and we know Poole can do one thing very well, and that's score. Well, okay, there's a few guys in the NBA. So can Jordan Clarkson, for that matter. You know what I mean? Put the ball in the basket and nothing else. So I want to see more from him. He's like their top guy in terms of production that we've seen so far. And that's great. Like, he scores at a very high level. But, 
again, playoff basketball-wise, I mean, he's not even he's part of the Warriors' best lineups. And even Steve Curry said, listen, we can't play him the entire time because of obvious reasons, you know? So I'm with you. I, I do think that when you look at just top-to-bottom guys, as of right now, without knowing who they can be, they're very intriguing. Okay. So then let's move on to my number two. I have the Phoenix Suns. Um, I I mean, obviously there is the Chris Paul age factor. He just turned 37. But I mean, outside of him, Devin Booker is on the youngest side. DeAndre Aiden, I'm assuming, is going to be there. I know that he's a restricted free agent this summer and they didn't sign him to his rookie extension. I'm assuming he's going to be there. Obviously, if he leaves, that completely changes these rankings. Mikhail Bridges, um youngish guy. He's 25 years old. I'm assuming they signed Cam Johnson to a rookie extension. They could package Jay Crowder and Dario Saric to get an upgrade at the four. I mean, they just have so many options. And same thing, they have their own picks. And they're not even in the tax yet. I anticipate they will be after they sign Aiden to probably a near, um, near max deal this summer. But I mean, compared to a team like Golden State, who's been in the repeat attacks for five, six years already, Phoenix isn't going to have that issue for a while, at least. That's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just saw it. No, that's true. And they're my second team as well, actually. Um, I just, like you said, they have an uh, older guy in Chris Paul, which we know, but at the same time, they also have young talent that you have to assume that Ian's going to come back. You know that Mikel Bridge is locked in long-term. And not only that, you have one of the best coaches in the NBA, Monty Williams, just one coach of the year as we're recording this. You have James Jones, who's made very smart moves moving forward. And other than this year's draft pick, which is going to Oklahoma City, and it's not going to be a high one as we can see, they own their own draft pick. So they can make a potential move going down the road. Um, and when the Monday of Chris Paul comes off, you know, who knows what will be done there. The last two years, I think, are non-guaranteed, so you have some flexibility in that regard. Devin Booker locked down long-term, and younger guys as well. I mean, Cam Johnson is more in his prime, but other guys that can kind of fit around there, you know, sign that with mid-level vets and, you know, veteran ring chasers, and they could be in good position for years to come. And I said one of the factors I put in here is coaching, and I know I didn't mention Steve Cook, Golden State, but I think Monty Williams is probably behind Spolster, the second best coach in the NBA. Yeah, so. that for, I would agree with that for my money. Yeah, I would say the same. Okay. And as you said, have all their own draft picks. That's, that's important because, you know, even if they're going to be late picks, they're picks that they could use mm-hmm. to continue, continue to be competitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that brings me to my number three, another Western Conference team. I had the Memphis Grizzlies. Interesting. They were my number one. Okay. So the Grizzlies, as everyone knows, have the second best record in the NBA this year. Not only do they have all their own picks, they have other teams' picks as well. I mean, this year they have Utah's pick. Um, They almost had the Lakers' first-round pick that ended up going to the Pelicans. They have Golden State's 2024 first, which obviously I ranked them number one, so I don't anticipate that being a good pick, but if the bottom falls out for whatever reason, they have it. And yeah, I mean, this is the deepest team in the league just about. John Moran is a budding star. Jaron Jackson, if he stays out of foul trouble, is one of the elite defenders in the NBA. And not only that, this team's looking at pretty significant, about $25 million in cash space this year if they want to use it. And I believe what they have... Well, then at that point, John Moran will sign his rookie extension this summer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe this is the only summer with significant cap space. 
because Jamin Jackson's extension kicks in next year. But even so, I mean, they're just so good at drafting, so good at pyro developments. Like, uh, it's it's really unbelievable to see. It reminds me like college basketball, like a mid-major who always does well. Like, they're just a smaller market team, hit on a coach, hit on a GM, and they're running with it with their player developments, their talent evaluation. It's all top tier. Yeah, I agree. They put themselves in a position to win now, as we've seen with the rapid development of uh, John Morant. We've seen Jaron Jackson Jr., who can still improve in doing so. Their oldest guys on their roster are 28. We're looking at Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson. Um, and Steven Adams might be off the book soon, well, in the next year or so. And the Kyle Anderson is a free agent now. Like, they are very, very, um, they are very, very young. And, 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 and that's something really kind of cool in terms of the fact that they really mesh well together and can grow together, you know, and they have this money. Now it's going to be interesting to see what they do, whether they're going to try to retain Tyus Jones, who is a really solid backup point guard for them, still just 25. Are they going to look more in the free agent market, try to make a bigger splash, maybe Zach Levine or something. You know, there's, there's ideas there and they have the money to play with in this little wiggle room time before extensions really start to kick in. So they have the opportunity to take advantage of it. They could definitely take advantage of it, but the issue is this just free agent class. I mean, um, if they're not going to get a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, which I would love to see them get one of them. I, I don't think they will. I think Beal goes to Boston, which I previously talked about. And Levine, I think, ends up staying in Chicago. And if he wants out later, he could just request out. But that's a, that. we'll get to those teams. Um, but what, what about like a TJ Warren for them? I'm working on my mock offseason right now, and – I could see them letting like slow-mo walk, bringing in TJ Warren because he's a more certified scorer. He could be that number two or three option on offense. Uh, I envision a guy like that for them, you know, on like a bloated one or two year deal to get him to go there, which at this point, you should want to go there if you want to, if you're serious about winning. So maybe you won't have to be as bloated as I'm anticipating. It is certainly possible. I think you're right there. And I mean, I don't know if personally I would like, uh, T.J. Warren, maybe the idea of T.J. Warren, yes. Uh, not that T.J. Warren coming off an injury that we're not sure we're going to get, you know, who was last flaming hot in the bubble, which we've seen <laughs> Anthony Davis not be the the, the, the the standard in terms of how players' uh, style kind of translates outside of that. So the idea of a player like that who could fill it up would be great. Bradley Beal would also be a nice kind of vet guy to help them move more into championship status. And you could say the same, of course, for um, – uh, Zach Levine, who I would prefer better being a younger version of that and one who could shoot the three a lot better than Bradley Beal, whose three-point shot has more or less evaded him over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, that that's fair. So, And Memphis is a smaller organization. If they see like a Bradley Beal decline coming, they're, they're, they're not going to give him anything. So. Exactly. They'll, they'll do – yeah, exactly. And they have enough – young pieces available they could give Chicago or Washington something to make them feel like, you know, they got some nice tantalizing pieces, which they will. And yet it would still work out for Memphis. So they're in a really good position. And Memphis is one of those teams that, you know, we saw them this past off season. They had Jonas Valanciunas. They instead downgraded Steven Adams in order to get younger, get cheaper and get higher picks in the draft and future picks. So they're a team that's very mm-hmm. proactive in Sure, we can compete now, which I'm sure if they knew they were going to be this good and be the second-best record in the league, maybe they would have kept Valanciunas, but it worked out. Maybe they wouldn't have been as good with him, even though he's an upgrade to Steven Adams. It'd be harder to justify taking Valanciunas off the floor for Brandon Clark as it is for an older – well, not an older, but he's only 28, but, you know, with Steven Adams who plays like a more traditional big. Absolutely, exactly. I agree with that. So my number four is a little bit somewhat out there. So I'm anticipating you having them lower than I do, 
but I think they're probably the title favorites going into next year. And that that's the Los Angeles Clippers. Interesting. Yeah, that is. I do not have them there. I like. Please expound. I mean, we can talk about them now. Um, I don't have them up here. They are interesting in terms of championship window, but I actually have. They're 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 my top ten. I'll, I'll put them there. They're my top ten. I just a lot of it is on health, and I, I'm not too. We've seen some. They've done some developing of the young talent, Amir Coffee and Brandon Boston. Those guys have had some improvement, but you're still looking at a mostly veteran group. Um, with the exception of the young vets like Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard, who I just have to, it's hard for me to wrap my mind seeing them being like the tentpole pieces of the next great Clippers team. And mind you, they might not even have to be. Paul George is just 32, Kawhi Leonard is 31, but they both had extensive injury concerns at this point right now. You bring in Norman Powell, you bring in Robert Covington. I feel they're more of a win now team than a win three, four years down the line. But again, like you said, that's a championship in the five years. So uh, yeah, please expound on that. Well, same thing I said for Golden State. Steve Ballmer's the richest owner in sports. He'll pay the tax regardless of what it is. And we saw that with um, the extension of Robert Covington. I didn't think Covington was going to go anywhere anyway. But, you know, they gave him a little raise from the MLE, which is all really he was going to get just because of the lack of cap space out there. They gave him a little bump to not test a free agency, gave him two guaranteed years, increased the luxury tax bill by like $50 million. And Steve Ballmer doesn't care. We saw him at the deadline, even though they weren't even really competing with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out for most of the year. They still got Norman Powell. They still got Albert Covington. They still increase that tax bill because he'll do anything at the expense of winning. Now, where I struggle to put them in number four is that they really don't have any draft picks. Obviously, with the Stapian rule, they get their own pick every other year. So they have their own in 22, or excuse me, in 23, 25, 27, and 29. So they can still flip their 28, but that's about it. So they probably have the least amount of you know, draft capital in just about the whole league. So, so yeah, maybe I am older. Maybe I'm talking myself a little bit ambitiously. But again, these are for the next five years. Who has the best shot of winning it all? And they're just so deep. Wing depth is the most number one important thing in the NBA today. I cannot trust it enough. And they just have Kawhi, Paul George, Norman Powell. Covington's more of a four at this point. So is Marcus Morris. Reggie Jackson, obviously, isn't a wing, but he's your point guard. Then you have Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann. Zubac is the big man. Brandon Boston, I mean, call the, they just have so many bodies and they're all wings. So sure, they're a little depleted at center, a little bit depleted at point guard, but I think that's something you can live with. And I, I just think that being in LA and Ballmer being willing to do whatever it takes to win, I think that combination, you know, has to mean something. And that's fair. And I can, I can get where you're coming from. They have a nice core in place. They have a very smart front office. They have vets who know how to win right now. And the young players, the few that they do have, are currently progressing well. I, I can see why you picked that team for what you did. Okay, so then what about number five? Number five, I have my first Eastern Conference team, the Boston Celtics. Okay, see, I have them at number three. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could probably be convinced to put them ahead of the Clippers, so I, I could move them up to number four. But... um. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I think they kind of put to bed the whole idea that, oh, they can't play together, they can't win together, you need to trade one of them. Udoka is an absolutely phenomenal coach. Mm -hmm. Their defense is absolutely stellar. Um, 
Not only that, I know we just talked about maybe being a little worried about how Bradley Beal is going to age, but I think they set themselves up really well to get that third guy. And I think Beal might be that guy due to his relationship with Tatum. I mean, they acquired Derek White. They acquired Daniel Tice, who's on an awful contract. But those mid-type tier guys, you flip them with, you have all your picks. You flip them with a pick or two in order to get that Bradley Beal, in order to get that Zach Levine in a signing trade, or the next disgruntled star that wants out. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So it's more of the position that they kind of get themselves in. I, I like the fact that you have these guys in this young talent, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and Derek White, all locked up through at least 2024. Like you said, the contracts are tradable for these guys, but the average age of that group is intriguing to me. The average age is just 25. So again, you know, you got just enough of young, of older vets, but they're still young enough in guys like Marcus Smart and Derek White. You also got guys who are just getting in their primes like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And you got a young guy like Robert Williams who is already showing you his, his, his um, offensive arsenal verticality, verticality, that's it, right? Vertically, there we go. Using that verticality, but also being able to show a surprising passing game as well. And all these guys not only being the books look clean, but they're also young already and they're progressing together. And look at what they're doing right now. They're core defensive-minded. Offensive, they really work well so far. They had a little bit of a bumpy road to begin this season, but under Coach Ume Odoku, Odoka, they've really kind of come into form. So I like what I see there. And, I mean, they had the Al Horford contract coming off the books already. Um, well, next year he has $14.5 million guaranteed. He's been playing well enough. They think they just pick it up for the extra I would agree, million. yeah. Um, but the point is they have tradable guys to get that third star if they want to. And I don't even know if they need it. Probably not. So, Probably not. Okay. They, they, as, as is, they're good. I agree. Okay. So then my number six team I have is the Denver Nuggets. Same thing as the Clippers. They definitely need to stay healthy. Um, I, I don't think they're going to pay the luxury tax forever. And Jokic is due for the biggest extension in NBA history. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know what they do about the books. Clearly, they're willing to pay the tax if it means winning. I think that, yeah. I mean, obviously, they've shown that. Um, also, you look at the fact that, again, Jokic, two-time MVP, but also Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron, and Aaron Gordon are all signed to long-term contracts. So it's not like your four more viable pieces are missing. And then also, Jokic is Superbacks eligible in just 27. Yeah, I mean, as we just said, Jokic is... He's going to be the most expensive contract in NBA history, and it's it's hard. I know they already have the pieces in place, but it's hard to build around that as a small market team. But again, I do have them ranked six here because the pieces are in place. Now, Jamal Murray's coming off a torn ACL. I don't think that's going to be anything major. Guys seem to heal from ACLs with model medicine, no problem. But Michael Porter Jr., I mean, the back does worry me because it's a consistent issue with him. So again, this is kind of like the Clippers where we're banking on the injuries not reoccurring, but you know that sports we're never really gonna be able to know that for sure. We can only project what we could project. Very true, very true. And I think for me, it's like I don't know if if, if health returns, then all of a sudden Monte Morris is your starting point guard. He's your backup point guard, a spot that he's much more comfortable with. You have Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray being able to do their two man game uh, that they used to quite uh, full effectiveness over the last couple of seasons. Michael Porter Jr. of healthy, raise your offensive ceiling a ton. Then a lot of these guys that were overstretching their roles can focus more on just providing ancillary offense and pretty good defense enough to help 
without Nicole Jokic and that core. And like, for example, if Austin Rivers is your third best guard, I think you're in pretty good shape. If he's your second guy off the bench, maybe you're a little worried. And so I think the, the health of your main cast of characters for Denver will put some of these guys with larger roles back in their normal positions. And I think that will lead to a stronger team overall. Yeah, and again, if they have the taxpayer mid-level exception, if they're willing to keep paying, I, I know Denver's a smaller market, but guys will go. I mean, I think they could get like a Gary Harris back this year. Um, a, a guy like I would that, like that. Who they could really utilize. I 100% agree. 100% agree with that. I really would like a Gary Harris to return. Uh, he's matured a little bit. Also, you look at the age of these guys. Like, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit for a win-now group that this team is. And still, he's just, what, 27, about to be 28? Yeah, he's older than he appears. So, but yeah, I think yeah. he's 20. Um, okay, number seven. I, I should probably have him higher just because of the Giannis factor, but that's a Milwaukee box. Okay, I have the number five. Okay, so here's my thing. Middleton's under contract to 24. Hardy's under contract to 25. Giannis is under contract to 26. After that, I mean... It gets bare quickly. I mean, Brooke Lopez, he has one more year on his deal after this year. Same thing with Pat Conton if he opts to do spider option. Bobby Portis are probably going to have to re-sign. And Bobby Portis, they only have his early bird rights, so they can't even sign him for a whole bunch. Um, they can only sign him to a three-year deal with that. Yeah. Um, Grayson Allen, they do have for two years. They gave him a two-year rookie extension. I just, I think outside of those big three, it's going to be so difficult to field a team. And that's my worry with them. I think they definitely will be a team that has a revolving door on their back end, but I don't see it any different than the Warriors or Kevin Durant. You know, like, yeah, they had some holdovers in terms of having um, Sean Livingston, but you did have a David West come in and out. You had JaVale McGee come in and out. You had Zaza Pachulia in and out. You know, you had a bunch of rotating guys, normally for your big man positions, but um, you had some of these rotating win players that made up the core of the squad that were rotating in and out for the Warriors, you know? I mean, and the Warriors, even with this core they've had, I'm just using an example, they've also had the likes of, you know, and mind you, this was just due to circumstance, but you had Andrew Wiggins, you had Kelly Oubre, you've had other guys on this team. I think as long as the core is healthy of that unit, they'll be fine. And the other pieces that join will be just great. They had P.J. Tucker last year, you know, now, I mean, they replaced him with Sammy Ojale, who is not even on anymore, you know what I mean? Now they go Bobby Portis and more of those guys. So, I really think it's one of those things where as long as that unit is sound, as long as Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday are okay, they'll be in good shape. And you're going to have people who want to go over there to win the championship. You know what I mean? You're going to have people who want to ring chase who will join them because the opportunity to win a championship is high. That's fair. And obviously, I, I'm set, I'm knocking them for only having the big three really under contract on the turn, but those are obviously the three most important guys. Um, Absolutely. My, my, it just reminds me of like Al Lakers episode last week where we said, okay, sure, the Lakers have the three max guys. And then outside of that, they have just a taxpayer middle of exception minimums to fill out the roster. And that's Very true. Milwaukee. But again, the, as long as they have Giannis and Middleton and Holiday, that's probably the best three man unit in the NBA just about. So they're going to be competitive. For the next five years. Oh, they absolutely will. I mean, you also look at the fact that Giannis, again, just like Jokic, signed long-term in just 27. I mean, this stuff writes itself out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I think Giannis is the best player in the world. I know Jokic won back-to-back. Um, but Giannis is just on both ends of the floor. Absolutely unbelievable. So guys are going to want to play with him. 
Yeah, absolutely. They will. And I mean, that's what I think is what sets them up for success. Because yes, their core is older compared to some of the younger guys. If you look at a Memphis or even if you look at a Phoenix, you know, outside of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Aiden and Bridges, no one's older than 25. So yeah, the Bucks are older as a core. You know, Drew Holiday's already 32. Um, Middleton's 30 and Giannis is 27, but that core is still a dominant core, and you're gonna have players who want to join them who will fit well because they want to win on a team of that caliber. So, I think that you're right for the future success, or at least for the foreseeable one. The only knock I have is they don't really have a lot of first round picks to play with, like you see these you know championship teams do where they throw them away for you know a expiring contract here or a guy you know come the trade deadline who's no use for a team that is underperforming. Like, they don't have that type of uh, capital to kind of throw around. But at the same time, I think they'll be able to upgrade their roster through free agency. Yeah, I'm looking now. It looks like the only first-round pick they'll be able to flip would be 2029 right now. Because, you know, they, they owe the Pelicans basically everything else for the Drew Holiday deal. Yeah, exactly. And other trades. So th- that does worry me a bit. So that's why I have them seven and not, like, three or four. That, that's yeah. That's why I had them five. I was like, I couldn't put them any lower than my own top five. But like you said, like I know that free agency will bring guys in. That doesn't mean that you know it's going to be the kind of people they want per se. Um, in terms of what they would pursue through a trade, you know. But it is what it is. And when you have the guys that you have that are locked in, I could put them no deeper than what I have. But I agree with you in the top ten at least. Okay. So then my number eight might come as a little bit of a surprise, and that I they don't have the greatest roster right now, but the infrastructure is there. Just being a competent franchise that drafts well, um, develops players well, great GM, great coach, and that's the Toronto Raptors. Okay, I like that. They're in my top ten as well. They have a number seven. So I know they don't have that one guy like. They don't have the Steph Curry or the John Moran or the Giannis. They, they don't have that one guy like every other team on the list so far. But they are just so well-rounded. And Scotty Barnes very well could be that guy. I mean, if Scotty Barnes develops a jumper, he's probably a top 20 player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So, I mean, they could definitely execute on him being on his rookie deal right now. And, you know, I, I don't really know. They won't have, you know, real significant cap space anytime soon, but if they have the contracts, they can flip the OG and Anobis and the Gary Trents to get that guy. Same thing. And we saw Masai Jerry pull the trigger with DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. So we know he's not afraid to make a move. The, the only worry I have is a guy's going to want to voluntarily go there in free agency because of the fact that they're in Canada. That's actually a pretty good, um, I guess, kind of question mark there, just because of the unique um, experience that Toronto provides for free agents and, you know, the success rate that teams have had. I mean, if you look at the guys that Toronto has gotten, you know, that made big impacts has either been through free, through drafting uh, like Vince Carter or through trade like Kawhi Leonard or drafting like Vince Carter, like DeMar DeRozan or through trade like Kyle Lowry, like Kawhi Leonard. So you're right. Um, Scotty Barnes might be one of your your few guys next to like Damon Stoudemire, who was very short lived in terms of Toronto, in terms of being your homegrown talent that sticks around a while, you know, um, that's from your team. But I can't think of a player who would make an impact in Toronto right now that, again, like chose to come to Toronto as a free agent. You know what I mean? That would be the interesting one. Yeah, and again, they might have some cast faces on Scotty Barnes on his um, rookie deal, but. I mean, they don't have really any bad money. So if they really want, like, let's say Bradley Beal wanted to go there, 
they have guys on tradable contracts that they could move in order to get to that cap space, if that makes sense. Or, or they have guys that teams are taking a sign and trade for mm-hmm. that guy. So I, I think that, you know, they, as long as Scotty Barnes for the next three years is making sure $10 million in 24, 25, because he was a top four or five pick. But e- even so, I mean, I- I'm very intrigued that Ananobi locked up for less than 20 mil in 24, 25. They're, they're really in good shape with guys taking discounts to play there, outplaying their contracts, creative developing, just the infrastructure, as I said, the infrastructure is just there to continue to be a competent and well-ran organization. Yeah, 100%. The next team, also, same thing, very well-ran, very disciplined. They have people buy into a culture. And that's the Miami Heat, you know, have guys buy into the Heat culture. They always seem to find guys off the scrap heap. I know Duncan Robinson's $90 million has turned into an awful, one of the worst contracts in the NBA, but they got him out of nowhere. They got Kendrick Nunn out of nowhere. They got Max Struess out of nowhere. They're signing these guys off the scrap heap. Omer Yurtsevin has shown that he could play. I mean, they drafted Bam at 13. They drafted Hero at 13. They're just... Same thing as Toronto. Such a good infrastructure. Maybe I should put them above Toronto just because of the current success. But I mean, in 25-26, which is four years from now, not including the season, they'll pay Jimmy Butler, who's 37 years old at that point, $50.7 million. So that's going to get ugly, um, you would imagine. Kyle Lowry hasn't looked great in the playoffs, so who knows how it will be the next two years. Mm, Yep, injuries. Duncan Robinson is going to be hard to get off of. He's getting, after this year, still $75 million over four years. They're going to have to pay Hero, so it's just going to be very difficult. Sure, they have Bam, Jimmy, Hero, Lowry, Mm -hmm. and they'll figure it out after that. But it's going to be very difficult to build around those four guys. I agree. I agree. I think that's going to be. I, I don't have them nearly as high here, just because yeah, heat culture and all. And, and I'm, trust me, I'm not trying to. I'm basically saying it like I'm being disparaging. I'm not trying to be outwardly, but you know, and we've seen that with the with the front office that, that the Heat have that they are able to keep a um at least semi passable team. Even the teams that don't make the playoffs aren't horrible. Um, you know, barring the 2007 Heat and like the 2003 Heat, and you know some teams that were like 15 wins, but even those teams had like massive injuries, racked them as well. But the one thing I think is the issue here is again, who are you hitching your wagons to? You know, Jimmy Butler, who's battling injuries, you know, and is only getting older, or Kyle Lowry, your big free agent addition, who's also battling the same right now with hamstrings and is already 35 or 30, 36. You know, you look at guys like a Duncan Robinson, where you maybe swung and missed in a big way on him because. He can't be played. He's not even be, he 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 can't even be played right now, you know. And he's on for a good a good deal of money. So I think some of your pieces there, Victor Oladipo, a guy who's trying to find his way back onto a a normal contract and prove that he still has it. So again, a lot of your guys that you're saying, okay, moving on, you narrow it down, and all you really have is Bam Adebayo, who's a very solid center, but not top ten, not top fifteen to me. Maybe top 20-ish? I don't know. But that's what I mean. Like, I think they have a very good team of good but not great guys that when they're collectively all healthy will be great. But how much are we going to bet that's going to be a thing moving forward in the next year or two? And, I mean, I I know they were the one seed, but I still think they're in the high, not in, like, the top hierarchy with the Golden States and Phoenixes and Boston's and Milwaukee's. I know they got the one seed, but I still think they're that next year. 
So I'm in the vision of winning a championship the next five years. So that's why I, I couldn't put them. I put them Finch top 10 for that. I mean, they do have all their own draft picks and sure. Maybe they get the salary, the guys to salary match to get the next guy. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know where they go from here. I, I feel like this is the core and they're just going to have to, you know, pay hero, pay Oladipo, pay Struce, and that's your team. Yeah, and I just don't like that. I don't think that that's a great, you know, it's, it's nice for this year probably, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super enthralled by that group. Okay, then I think we're on the same page that sure, yeah, he culture, that's great, but that could only get you so far in itself. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, so number 10 I have is the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Honestly, what would you put the percentage odds that Ben Simmons never plays a game in the NBA again? Ooh, whoa, okay. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I thought a while about it. And I think I'm willing to go as high as, like, 10%. I might do this. Uh, I'm going to do a little lower. I think like 10% high. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like a – um. Who is that? A Royce White situation. You yeah. know what I mean? I think he'll play. I think this year has been a year from down under for him, and so is the last year. So I think we'll see him back next season. Um, I, I hope. I mean, I haven't. If if it lingers in the next year, then I'd be concerned. But I think I think he'll be fine. I just don't like the shames reports that oh he's having anxiety and flashbacks from last year's game seven against Atlanta that is causing back injuries. And like, he's a head case. And I hate to say that because he's a very talented player, but yeah, you make a good point. I mean, it is, it is still concerning. And then Kyrie Irving has a player option, which I'm sure he's going to opt out of. And the Nets are most likely going to lock him in, but you have Kyrie Irving, you have Ben Simmons, two guys who you probably don't want in your locker room as leaders. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Durant, sure, he's been great coming off of torn Achilles, but he's missed eight weeks here, eight weeks there. He's not as durable as he once was. The Joe Harris money is okay. Seth Curry's money was better a year and a half ago than it is now. Bruce Brown's a free agent. Patty Mills has a player option. Nick Claxton's going to be gone, most likely. I mean, he's a restricted, so they could keep him, but they, they'd have to commit to him being the son of the future to pay what, to match what a team's most likely going to give him. So I, I don't know. I, I put them 10 just because of the whole KD, Kyrie, and Ben factor. But I, I don't think Steve Nash is a great coach. I don't love Bobby Marks as a GM. But I guess between the market, the willingness to pay the tax, there are some things to be optimistic about. I, I, would, say, I would say the same. I would say the same. I think that, again, it's something that's interesting in terms of um, – <sighs> just potentially where they could fall. You know what I mean? And there's some question marks in that as well, but I can kind of see your argument there. Um, and they uh, really have their own picks. I was not aware like, of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they gave them all up in, in the um, the Harden deal. They did recoup some from Philly, but they don't have the 24. They don't have the 26. And then in 23, 25, and 27 – they have swaps with Houston. So if the bottom falls out, they, they made the same mistake again that they made getting KG and Paul Pierce. Well, the Celtics got Tame and Brown because of it. Like Where they, they sold all out? Repeating itself. Well, the bottom's going to fall out. And not only do they not have their own picks every other year, but the year they do have the picks, they ha- have a swap with the team they traded with. 
That's true. That's true. I hadn't even. Yeah, you're right. Wow. The so potential. The uh-huh. out, if Ben Simmons never plays, if Kyrie retires at 29 years old or 30 years old, and KD's going to miss all this time, Houston has pick swaps in 23, 25, and 27, and they don't have their own pick in 24, 26. Like, it's just. So, mm-hmm. With that being said, why do you have them so high then? Because of the fact that they still have KD, Kyrie, and then maybe Ben Simmons. Okay, so you. <laughs> it seems like you've been kind of dealing, battling with this, though. And the fact that Brooklyn, I'm talking myself into moving them down, but uh-huh. but the fact that they're still in Brooklyn, the fact that they have the second richest owner in the sport that's going to pay the tax. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just getting at the if the bottom falls out, it's going to get ugly. Oh yeah, and, I don't I don't have them anywhere near you. I don't have them here. Like okay. they are lower to me because I think that the odds of the bottom falling out are much more. I mean, Katie will be 34 next year. And we, and this is the first time we've seen like, yeah, heavy minutes can take their toll. You know, I think a healthier Kyrie will be great, but it's also he hasn't been um, consistent health wise or availability wise rather for a while. You don't know what you're getting from Ben Simmons. I don't think he's a third star in that way. You're you're knee deep over the end in money in terms of tax, and you have to make decisions on guys coming back like Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown, who like are solid pieces but aren't going to really turn the needle in a in a, in a championship series, and they're going to cost you a pretty ch- good chunk of money for the privilege. So, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not as nearly, excuse me, as optimistic as you are on them. I think maybe for the next year or two. But, like, I'm not saying, like, you got to look at it. Like, if we're, if we're looking at two years down the line, you're really saying that you're looking at 36 KD, like 36 LeBron. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That, that's why I still think I put them in the top 10, just because of that two- to three-year window that they have. That if Ben Simmons plays and he can play that Draymond Green role, I, I, I do think that, you know, that – window is high even though if the bottom falls out it's a very low floor uh, yeah exactly and i'm more i don't know with all the injury history katie's had relative to lebron lebron's got an injury history not after turning 36 kd has this all he's only 34 i don't think it's gonna get better as he gets older um i see more of this being a thing i don't think he gets if we can get maybe 60 games of a year out of him i think that the Cavs would be i mean not the Cavs, the nets would be very very happy and that to me is actually kind of scary yeah, I, I think I'm going to move Brooklyn down a little bit. So my, my number 11, I'll definitely put ahead of Brooklyn. Maybe a little biased, but that's my team, the Philadelphia 76ers. To me, Joel Embiid is the second best player in the world. Probably the best player in the world, not named Giannis. Um, if, if you want to put Jokic out of him because you want back-to-back MVPs while Embiid came in second most likely both years, mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue. I think they're two different style of players. So just because of centers, I think it's kind of dumb to compare the two. But either way, I think he's a top three to four player in the world. And maybe that's short-lived. He has been more durable the past two years than any other year of his career. He did play a career high in games this year. Um but this James Harden contract could get ugly, and I admit that. Um, there was a possibility we're paying 37-year-old James Harden $60 million. Yeah, no. That, that's why Yep, that's why I don't have them to say, yep. <laughs> so, I agree. But again, this is for the next five years, not the next 10 years. I do think, you know, we saw really vintage James Harden last night against the Heat. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's if he's going to be like that again next year and he's just being slowed down by a hamstring right now or he just had one of those games in a must-win game. I, I don't know what it was or what the jury's out. I, I would lean that it was just an outlier, if anything. Yeah. Um, but 
I don't know. Tyrese Maxey is so good. He's only 21. Um, so, I mean, they, they do have a big three with Tobias Harris as the fourth guy there for at least the next three years, assuming Harden stays, which I'm assuming he will. So I, I still do think they are in better position than they were when Ben Simmons was just rotting away on the bench. A lot of people are calling it a lose-lose trade. Sure, yeah, maybe you might be stuck with James Harden at 37 years old for $60 million. Mm-hmm. But Ben Simmons literally gave nothing. We, we still got a top, even at his worst right now, a top 25 player in the NBA for Ben Simmons. I mean, that's true. Uh, that's true. Even if he, I mean, you're going to bring him back next year. You did get uh, at least anything you get from Harden is going to be better than the nothing that you got from Simmons. So there is some benefit there. And yeah, I just, I don't know. Future wise, and uh, Embiid's health, he's locked in long term, but that's still a concern. This is the health user you've had all now. And even now, look what happened. It's unfortunate, but it's still a thing. Um, Harden is still long term a problem. Tobias Harris on a contract. And although he's been playing solidly this playoff series, he's been kind of underwhelming the last couple of years. Tyrese Max, he's a great find. You know, you hope that he continues to improve. But after that, some of your vets and who? You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not blown away by a lot of the other 76ers moving forward. And as a championship team, I mean, that's assuming the window's open now, which technically it is, but, like, they're also on, like, of the four teams still playing, they're the fourth for me, like, to win it all. Okay, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's definitely fair. I do think the championship window opened as soon as you acquired James Harden, because if mm. this is how he's playing now, how's he going to play next year and the year after that? And well, that's what I'm concerned so, about, yeah. Like, so I would think in yeah. theory, like, if it was, like, basketball GM or 2K, like, yeah, a player of Harden's caliber is great. Like, if you get in 2018 Harden, pencil them in, you know? But this 2022 Harden has been kind of underwhelming, you know what I mean? Like, look at what you're saying. Like, you said you, we think we had some vintage James Harden. Vintage James Harden who scores 31 points. I mean, if that's the case, we got to hope his three ball goes down, you know? Like, 31 points is vintage James Harden? Nah, I thought, like, 40, 50, like, that's vintage James Harden. Like, if this is, and this is the first time, a 25-game streak of him scoring 25 or less or something. Yeah. Like, that's not great. Yeah. So, if you're you're looking at him and saying, this is the Harden you have now, that's scary. If you're looking at it saying, this is the Harden you have now because he's injured, okay, great. You know, it's not good for this playoffs, but... Get healthy, and then what? What if he gets injured again? Those hamstrings are a tricky thing. They've been troubling the last couple of years now. Like, that could be a nagging thing for the rest of his career. And if the drop-off is that real, are you really paying that much money for 19-6 and six per game? 19-5-6? and six? I It's fair, but I don't know. Am I wrong for trusting the strong office? I yes. mean... I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm messing with you, bro. <laughs> I do like Daryl Morey a lot. I mean, I, I know he has, like, the courage to follow his convictions and go after the guys that he likes, like James Harden and the guys he has relationships with. Mm. But uh, Elton Drain has done some dumb things, like signing Tobias Harris, now Horford in the same offseason. But Elton Drain, I mean, he traded for Jimmy Butler. He traded for Tobias Harris. Morey traded for James Harden. They have almost all their picks, Sands, the one to get off Horford and the one or two to Brooklyn. They, I don't know. I just feel like they're not going to be afraid to make a move as long as Embiid's in his prime. I see what you. I see what you. So mean. even if Harden doesn't work out, they still have Embiid and Maxi, and then figure it out after that. I see what you're saying, and I. It's a thought, man. I don't know. They're not in my top ten, but I could put them in the mid tiers, and you're kind of making a compelling case. I just. 
this is the same Daryl Morey who, I guess due to pressure, gave up a ton for Russell Westbrook. So, like, he's not totally without fault, but I do see what you're saying. I just, uh, I know he's not going to be afraid to make a move. Um, whether that's a coaching change. And again, I think if we let Doc Rivers go, I think it's going to be Mike D'Antoni. I honestly don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did have Monty Williams and Ime Udoka on our bench back-to-back years behind Brett Brown and chose to not hire either of them. So wow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, okay. Um, number, what number are we on? Number 12. Mm-hmm. We're getting close. This team was actually ranked number 30 in ESPN's future rankings when they did it this year. But vast improvement, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, they're my number eight. I'm glad you brought them okay. up. I mean, Evan Mobley is one is one of the ha- top handful of young guys that you want to have on your team. And then, you know, they have Darius Garland. I don't know what they're going to do with Colin Sexton. I can't imagine them resigning him, given that they kind of replaced him mid-year with Levert. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's going to be much of a market for Colin Sexton. I think he kind of gets squeezed the same way Dennis Schroeder did this past year. So maybe they get him on his qualifying offer. Maybe they get him on a bargain. Maybe they sign and trade him to like a Detroit, which Detroit should have cap space for him. But I- I'm saying a team like that. So I-, I don't know. Cleveland obviously has all their own picks because – this was really the first year of competing. Mm-hmm. They did give up a 2022 first for the vote, which ended up being lottery protected, so they ended up keeping it. But so aside from that, then figure they give the 2023 first, assuming they make the playoffs. Other than that, they have all their own first. They have a Bobo to seconds. And yeah, I, Evan Mobley is a centerpiece. Darius Garland is definitely a piece. Jared Allen is definitely a piece. I'm just, I, I don't love the Larry marketing money. I'm not going to love the Chris LeVert money. No. But they're, there's, they're all so young and they're all mid-tier guys. That, same thing. I love those mid-tier contracts of young guys that you could always flip for the next guy if you need to. I see what you're saying. And yeah, I, that's what I, that's what I have in my notes. I have, listen, you got the mind blowing upside of Evan Mobley, right? We see what he done on both ends of the floor. I really thought he had a very strong case to win rookie of the year. He's my personal pick for that award. Um, but also Darius Garland improved tremendously this year. Like, he could have been up in the names higher, I thought, for most improved player. Jared Allen also improved. You had the addition of Karis LeVert, who helps in the media right now. Then you have Larry Market and Colin Sexton, who either could help on the floor or fetch value in a trade. And speaking of trading, they have all their first-round picks from 2023 up to help build that core. So if they want to move, you know, some players around and upgrade, um, like they were in position to do with Karis LeVert, but bring in a potentially better fit, they have the pieces in LeVert, in Larry Markkinen, and their picks to do so. So I definitely like where they're bounced right now. And look, if they hadn't had horrible injury luck down the stretch of the season, you know, to Allen, to, to, to Garland, um, of course, to the big blow to Ricky Rubio midway through the year, this team would have been just a straight-up playoff team. No playing required. So looking at what they have right now and the culture being built and how they're all done together, yeah, I definitely think this can work for them in the future. And you're right. Whether Colin Sexton, who, if he stays on the court, that's 24 points per game. Someone who can help the backcourt with Garland in terms of two guys who can initiate, two guys who can score, who can shoot from distance, run, pick, and roll with their bigs. And if you want to find a better fit and you want to trade them, well, then you have that same player that you can offer to another team in a, in a, in a pack for picks and young talent, if you'd like. And Kevin Love's up after next year, so they finally get that money off the books. Yep. They'll have to give Garland an extension, but with Moby still on his rookie deal, if they don't bring back Sexton, if they don't sign LeVert to an extension, 
they're going to have like 25 plus million dollars to work with in cap space. So I could see them flipping Jared Allen for a wing when Mobley fills out a little bit more. Is ready. He's already a mammoth of a man, but when he's ready to fully play center full-time, I could see the flipping Jared Allen for a wing. I could see him signing another wing with that cap space, and all of a sudden, they're in real good shape. Tremendously so. I agree with you. Yeah, then they're looking really, really good. I, I did dock them a little bit. I think the difference between you having them eighth and me having them 12th was – I'm not a big JB Bickerstaff guy. I know he coached well this year, and I'm not a big Kobe Aldman guy. So mm. I, I think those guys need to prove it to me. Aldman maybe be a victim of circumstance, given that he just kind of did what LeBron asked him to for years. Yeah. I, I didn't like the marketing move at all. I, I said oh. they were, I said this year, going to the year, they're going to be the worst luxury tax team mm. in NBA history. And they, I know they ended up missing playoffs, but they were like the number two or three seed at the All-Star break. So, like, they really proved me wrong in that aspect. So, I- I'm excited for this team, but I-, I can't get behind the coaching and the front office in general. I mean, it works. So, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I get what you're saying. It- it's a decent point. I think some of it was in the past. Some of it you see now. I liked. I didn't like the Larry Markin move in general, but I also like the fact that they were able to find gold with that supersized lineup that did work. And Markin did play well. He's not a horrible player. I just thought it was a dumb fit. But apparently the Cavs saw something that we didn't. They wanted Markin in. They got him into the fold, and it worked out really, really well considering. You know, and if you look at what he had to do, being the good soldier for LeBron, I mean, so is every other GM that's been a GM for LeBron, you know, or his career. So I think some of it, I, I did knock them heavily for that in the past. But looking at it now, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the cost of dealing with LeBron and the fact that, you know, we question this move on its onset. But so far, it, it, it's done well. I look at almost like another team I have in my top 10 uh, with an executive who also formerly worked with the cast, David Griffin. Like, I'm not a big fan of all this stuff, but like some of it struck gold. And so maybe I have to rethink about putting a total indictment on him and and try to, you know, come at it more with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, I think it's fair. And I think because, you know, I'm the whole front office mind aspiring GM type that I, I critique some of these moves too heavily just because I wouldn't do it. There's definitely different ways to build a team. And, you know, I recognize that, that just because a guy builds a team differently than how I would doesn't mean it's bad. So maybe for that reason, I am a little harsh and I recognize that, but it's just not something I would have done. That is fair enough, definitely. Okay, then number 13. They might be a little bit low because it's the Dallas Mavericks and obviously they have Luka Doncic under contract for the next um, five years after this year. So that itself should maybe catapult them in the top 10. My biggest issue though is I do believe they're the front runners to get Rudy Gobert this summer. But if they don't get him, and e- even if they do get him, they're not going to have a second guy next to Luca because, sure, Gobert's great and all, but he's going to be getting paid, what, like $47 million in a couple of years? It's going to be the worst contract in the NBA once he loses a step. In easily, effort. easily. I-, I thought it was when they signed it, easily. So that's my issue, that even if they get Gobert, sure, he- he has Luca's gonna have a second guy for a year or two, but it's gonna be the Chris Osborne trade all over again. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I don't know if that's what they want to do. Kevin just gotten out of it. Then again, you know they did find a way to strike gold and turn that into two productive playoff rotation guys in Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Peja uh, Bertans. I'm kidding, obviously Davis Bertans. So you know they found a way to make it work. But I agree with you. Do you really want to bet on the magic on the um? Mavericks front office, you know, being magical and, and finding lightning striking twice on that, or would you rather just not bring on that egregious contract from the beginning? 
And it's not to mention that the second best players and unrestricted free agents this summer in Jalen Johnson and the Knicks are sending guys to the games to scout them. So, yeah, that's true. So I know the Knicks don't have the money to outright sign him. And because of the fact that the Mavs are going to be a tax team, they can't sign Trey Brunson and take back salary from the Knicks. So this would have to be a very complicated, let's say Brunson did want to go to the Knicks. It had to be a very complex and convoluted three-team sign and trade with Brunson going there. So I don't know if Dallas is that worried about losing Brunson just because of that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and you're probably right. Yeah, it's probably not the one that, I mean, I think they'll bring Brunson back. You know, I think that he's going to be a nice piece. And I think they have a core right now, Dorian Finney-Smith locked down long-term, you know, and he's been a really good productive player. Some of their guys that are going to be integral to the success are still on this team. Tim Hardaway Jr. is still a question, but I like what they have. And you know that, again, like you mentioned earlier, with an owner that's willing to spend, Mark Cuban is that guy. And come on now. You're talking about uh, players who would want to join championship teams. If players want to join um, Giannis, who's not going to want to join a bigger market in Dallas and play alongside Luka Doncic? Yeah, and they have all the picks except the one who to the Knicks for the Kristaps trade should convey next year. It's top 10 protected. So, you know, unless Luca has, uh, God forbid, I'm not even going to say it, but odds are the Knicks are going to get that pick next year. And then the Mavs have all the picks going forward. And, you know, I keep talking about these mid-deal contracts. They have Tim Hardaway Jr., Dinwiddie, Batons, Dwight Powell, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber, Finney Smith. They have so many mid-deal guys they could package any combo of them with picks to get that second guy. I just honestly don't know who that second guy is going to be. Maybe it's Bradley Beal. Maybe it's Zach Levine. For their sake, I hope they don't trade for Rudy Gobert, but it's definitely possible. And then, you know, maybe they have a mini big three with Luka, obviously, by no means as mini. But, you know, with Jalen Brunson as that third guy. Um, yeah. So, we'll, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. But just because of Brunson's free agent status, that the possibility of losing him because I don't love Jason Kidd, because they have a rookie GM, because they don't have any means right now to get that second guy next to Luca, is why they're not in my top 10. I get that, and that's fair. I can understand that. I mean, I have them, I have them, they actually are just outside of my top 10, but I understand why you have them where you do. Okay, so then my next team might be a little bit controversial, but still, just because of the market and wanting to pay tax, everything like that, I put the labels. Um, I, wow. I'm As a Laker fan, I, huh? I was going to say, I'm very interested to see what you have them, given that, you know, you're living in this reality right now. Oh, yes. Uh, it's not a great one, too. But I don't know. I just, I, yeah. As long as they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I mean, they're going to have two of the top 15 guys in the NBA. Well, see, and let me, this is Stephen, this is what hurts me. This is what hurts me to say this. I used to agree with you on this. Now I have to add another caveat. As long as they have a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like almost fully healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis, we have a good squad. Because LeBron, I mean, come on, it's been a war of attrition. He's going to be 38 next season, and he has declined some. You know, If he's not 100% tip-top, he could still be very good, but not maybe good enough to elevate his team to otherworldly statuses like he has before. Take that, add that to Anthony Davis, who is even less of that when he's been as injured as he's been, and you have some real, real problems. So I don't know. I have them significantly lower than you do. Um, and it's not because I want them there. As you know, I'm a big Lakers guy. So it's not that. It's just the the simple fact that I I don't – we see what who they're able to bring in. Like we saw who they're able to bring into 
um, we saw who they were able to bring into their team last year. It was a lot of LeBron's old friends and guys going for their second round of duty. Like they made a swing and a miss on uh, Kendrick Nunn and they took a gamble on a um, Malik Monk after every team with the exception of Dallas decided not to. Like it's not like LA really played themselves to be the big free agent destination. And I hate people saying that because for the most part, like, yeah, it is a nicer market, but like they don't just own the competitive advantage of being a nice place to live for all these players with a lot of money. You know, Lakers had the same kind of discussion as Laker fans back in the day, 2015. Oh, we'll get um, Carmelo Anthony. Oh, we'll get DeMar DeRozan. Oh, we'll get Greg Monroe. And all those guys chose to go to other teams and we end up with Carlos Boozer and Wesley Johnson. Like, the money only does so much. What's the culture like? What's the front office like? And honestly, I don't trust that front office at all. And we don't have a coach right now. So, oh, there I went with the we. The Lakers, I don't trust the Lakers front office at all. And they currently don't even have a coach right now. So, in terms of having any sort of um, promise of, of of understanding like what they are right now, I, I don't have any faith. You on a you on a, a core with a 38 year old LeBron James and a declining injured, um, well not declining but injured and also 30 year old Anthony Davis. And then what else do you have? You're putting all your hopes right now if you're a Lakers fan in free agency on either getting a magical wing that could fill their needs that trust me also other teams are looking for or a 24-year-old Malik Monk who, while giving you the talent and giving you the youth, also has some real questions, and we don't even care because we don't really have many other options. I'm looking at the Caps sheets, and in 23-24, the only guys on a contract are AD and Horton Tucker. I'm assuming LeBron will sign a one-year deal at that point, so then figure that's three guys for about $90 million. Mm-hmm. By the time the cap spikes, you're probably looking at about $40 million because Westbrook's off the books even if they can't trade Westbrook, I think they trade Westbrook this summer, as we talked about last week, for hopefully they could get like a Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald, or maybe they get a Gordon Hayward, just somebody. Then all of a sudden the cast base evaporates. But I'm saying as things stay now, they, they're going to have 40 plus million dollars to build with LeBron and AD. And at that point, LeBron's 39, so maybe that's not an ideal time to, you know, really build a championship, but uh, I mean, I, I still think guys are going to want to go there as long as those two guys are there. Uh, and I, I, could, I could definitely be wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it depends. They need the right guys to go there. I'm sure guys, I'm sure Carmelo Anthony's going to want to his buddy. I, I'm sure that all these vets want it. Oh, yeah, Lakers, LA, that sounds great. Playing with LeBron, awesome. He's my boy. Like, But I, I, I think I need to convince myself that the right guys will go there. Well, that's the thing. You have to convince yourself to do that. You're looking at this past year. I mean, you looked at who we got in free agency, right? The year before that, the free agent signs were Montrez Harrell, Marcus Gasol, and Wesley Matthews. You know, and, and we saw how that worked out, right? The year before that was the last time that you had, what, that championship core. And if I remember the free agents that year um, were Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Demarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, Jared Dudley, and Troy Daniels. Like, a mix of players who gave an impact, didn't give an impact, got injured, whatever. Like, we haven't really seen these marquee players come over. Like, over the last couple of years, I mean, who would you say a free agency has been the biggest, like, difference maker for the Lakers? And I think you're looking at, what, Danny Green in 2020? Yeah. I mean, and that, and that tells you everything you kind of need to know, at least for right now, of these guys coming. It just hasn't been what we expected. 
and we traded Danny Graham for one year. You know, Dwight Howard played a role that year as well, you know, uh, in 2020 winning that championship. So you have that as well. And then the 2021 team, we already know kind of how that all went down. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, listen. I mean, oh, you I want to, huh? Are you counting Alex Crusoe in this as an undrafted free agent? Not with the LeBron AD court now because he was, okay. he, he predated them. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I, I would. I would. But uh, as, as someone is building around LeBron AD, like, you know, if you build it, they will come. It's been an uneven um, proof of that. And trust me, see, like, I want to believe with every fiber of my being what you're saying. I just, maybe I'm too disenfranchised. I don't see it. Yeah, it's fair. And as we talked about last week, I really don't have any faith in Rob Plinka either. So, yeah, zero. But I don't know. I do think they have some picks to work with now. To They have the 27 29 picks to get off of Westbrook, bring in somebody you could help to be that third guy. And then I, I guess they figured out from there at that point. I mean, they really need Horton Tucker to develop into a guy. If he doesn't, they're really in trouble. They're lucky they found Austin Reeves. Yeah, and, and and due to the way that they did that, he's going to be a free agent next year. Like, due to the way they handled that contract, similar to how they did the Alex Caruso deal, he's going to be a free agent to look back to retaining next year. So I agree. Like, like their scouting department is bar none. They've found so many diamonds in the rough and guys who've really helped them. Uh, it's the front office, again, that's the real issue, right? The management, rather. Yeah, that that's definitely fair. So the last team I have um, for this episode – is my number 15 team who is basically on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as almost every team we talked about, because just about every team we're talking about was competitive this year and tried to win. They just have, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they have the best GM, just about, top three GM in the NBA. And they just have so many freaking picks. I mean, they have what three picks in 22 they these are first round picks three picks in 23 four picks in 24 i mean they they have like literally 37 draft picks next seven drafts like at some point they'll condense those and really start cashing chips in to start getting guys and they already have one guy in sga lou dort definitely showed that he could be contributor on uh High-level team. They have Josh Giddy. I'm a big believer in Poku. I know he's taking time, but he's still younger than most rookies in this upcoming draft class. So I- I'm not giving up on him yet. And I just – same thing. They're just – they're so smart organizationally. Mm-hmm. I just don't see this process that's not even apply- – I, mean, I didn't even mean for that to be applied on, on the Sixers process – but what they're doing, I, I just don't see it failing. With how many assets they have, they have so many points at the Apple. I, I'm, I'm with you, too. I, I, I am cautiously optimistic. You know, we've seen um, Sam Presti build a team well before, but again, look at the when he did this. You know, uh, drafting Durant second overall, which should have been number one. He drafted back-to-back-to-back MVPs. Exactly. But also, like, where he did that, what, right um, – like in the top five all three years, like he did great. I'm not saying he didn't do great, but we're looking at, and he could strike gold in this too. Again, it matters where the ping pong balls fall, you know, number one, number what, four with Russell Westbrook. So number two with Durant, four with Westbrook, and then Harden was fifth, fifth, I think. Yeah. So when you look at that, like you got these, I mean, if you're going to have, if you're going to have the cracks of the apple, I do trust Presti to cash those in at the same time. 
we've seen teams with a bunch of draft picks. Remember, uh, what, about 10 years ago, who do we keep bringing up? All these draft picks. Oh, he's going to be able to either get some good players or cast them in for Jimmy Butler or a Paul George. It was Boston, 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 Boston. Looking at it and now. They still ended up with Tatum and Brown with two of those picks. Though. And that's true. But how many did they come into the table with? Like, they got two out of, like, they had a bunch. They had and a bunch. They, and flipped the, they flipped the eighth pick, who became Colin Sexton for Kyrie Irving. So, I, I mean, but that turned out pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, they did, got... <laughs> but, but they did get that third guy after getting Tatum and Brown. And, I, but that's my point. There's so many bites at the apple that they're going to get at least two to three guys to pair with SGA. And not only that, they have so much freaking cap space to work with. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I can like understand they, that. They have SGA and then Derek Favors, who the most likely going to buy out. And then they have Kemba Walker, who they bought out on the books this year. But by the time after next year, aside from SGA's $33 million deal, the highest they got is Josh Giddy at $6.5 million, unless they get a top three pick, who would then be the second highest paid guy, like $8 million. Like, they just have so much freaking cap space, so many assets. And Sam Presti is too smart to not maximize what he has. I, I get what you mean. All right. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. That's in uh, if you I, if you have the faith in Pressy, which I, I I I guess I shouldn't have a reason not to. Then I think you then you have no reason to be like it's going to be like you said. Like he, there's too you're basically saying it's too it's almost too good of an opportunity to fail. Presty is just such a good talent evaluator. Aside from KD Westbrook and Harden, he got. Steven Adams in the late first round. He got Ibaka in the late first round. He found Lou Dort as an un, as um an undrafted free agent. I mean, he's he's just so good at what he does. I can understand that. I can get you on that for sure. For sure. So, I don't know if um Mark Donnell is going to be the guy there, like the long term, but. Oh, we'll have to see, but they definitely have the front office in place. Yeah, um, that's set up for that's true. That's true. And again, same thing. They could just keep doing with the cast space, what they did with Al Holford and Kemble Walker and Chris Paul, even when they made the playoffs that one year. Hey, we'll take on your veteran with our cap space or this equally bad contract, which they bought out Kemba, so they don't even have a bad contract anymore, aside from Derek Favors, who they're just gonna most likely buy out. But hey, we'll take in our cap space, you're Duncan Robinson contract. If you give us this first round pick unprotected and teams are good teams. If a team like Miami knows, okay, we could get this next stall. If we get off this contract, they're going to do it. So I could, OKC is going to have to win eventually, but I honestly think Sam Preston could do this forever and keep acquiring assets while building. Eventually he's going to have to cash in, but yeah, that's true. At some point, it's going to have to happen. But in the meantime, between time, I do see what you mean in terms of assembling talent that could fit and be either the part of the next great Thunder team or tradable pieces to add to that core. Okay, that concludes this episode of the Bird Rights Podcast. Um, be on the lookout for part two. Where we're going to do my teams 16 through 30, where Corbin and me will talk about um, each of them. You could find me on Twitter at um, Bird Rights Pod. You could find Corbin on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Corbin, time to promote yourself. Tell everybody the great work you're doing with um, 
with everything going on right now. I really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on as always. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Um, I do talk about the Phoenix Mercury uh, on a live show slash podcast, the PHNX Mercury show. You can find them at, at PHNX underscore Mercury. Um, and then also I have a show on this network um, on the um, hoop, uh, not the hoop ball, child to the old name, the Sports Ethos Podcast Network called Round Ball Ramble. And I also do a show um, for the lead sports media called Let's Make Moves, which is more of um, a front office, more trade free agency type um show that comes on around eh, draft time and free agency so you can expect me to have um maybe uh this uh you know certain host of a certain front office show you know join the squad there pretty soon for a few episodes so that's where you can find me on twitter at corbin nba for all of that okay corbin thank you so much for coming on and we will talk to you guys next episode as i said we'll be going through teams 16 through 30 in these rankings and yeah we will talk to you guys soon Season. You got a chance to secure the bag. You, you do. Secure, no question.